Luke chapter 11, verses 28 to 32. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. There's an old Steve Martin comedy, uh, The Man with Two Brains, and he's a famous neurosurgeon who's recently widowed, and there's a gold digger out for his money, and he's wanting an insurance that is also all okay, and so he seeks a sign. And he stands in front of a portrait of his deceased wife, and he says, if there's anything wrong with my feelings for Dolores, just give me a sign. And instantly, a ghostly voice goes, no, no, no. And the house starts shaking and the portraits start spinning on the wall and the lights pop and thunder crashes and the, and the wall gets a big split down it and the, and the wind blows and howls, no, no. And, and when the tempest dies down, he, he just continues on, just any kind of sign. I'll keep a lookout for it. And then he starts heading to take the portrait off the wall and says, meanwhile, I'll just put you in the closet. I don't know why I remember that scene. I reckon it would be nearly 40 years ago that I saw that movie. Um, the young ones are sort of perplexed at the quality of the um, special effects. <laughs> um, but... As soon as I read the Bible reading for today, that's the scene that I, that I thought of. Um, God gets asked for a sign. And the sign that God has already given to us is glaringly obvious, but to a person who is spiritually blind, uh, it's, it's not what they want to hear, it's not what they want to see. Um, and so God gets pushed out of sight, out of mind. And the Bible reading today is about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus came into a town, pretty much whenever he came into any town, the crowds were always getting bigger and bigger wherever he went. And why was that? It's because they were amazed at the signs and the wonders that Jesus was doing. He healed the sick. He made the blind to see. He cast out demons. He fed the 5,000. Who wouldn't have wanted to see all that stuff? But seeing signs and wonders, that's not what's important. Verse 28 leads us into what today's reading is about. Now, usually people don't include this with it, but it's because God, when the Bible was originally written, it wasn't divided up into chapter and verse and whatnot. Um, and verse 28 comes immediately before 
this part that, that Jesus is talking about signs. And in verse 28, he says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Seeing signs and wonders, even hearing the word of God, is of no benefit unless we do something with it, unless it changes our hearts and, and we respond to it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And so that sets the scene for the section of Luke that we're in today. Now, some Christians and some church models focus their ministry on what they call signs and wonders. Some folk are always praying for a sign, always looking for a miracle, always asking for another healing. And the motivation for this can be usually twofold. Firstly, we'll know that God's turned up. And we'll be inspired because our own eyes, with our own eyes, we've seen the, the impossible done by our mighty God. In other words, if God turns up today and does an amazing miracle, we're going to get really excited. And we would, wouldn't we? But in reality, that's not walking by faith. That's walking by sight. We're needing to see something to inspire us. We're needing to see something to, to get us in the mood to worship God. But those who are walking by faith don't need a sign. We don't need a wonder to get us excited. We're just glad to praise our Lord. And the second reason is often presented as, well, if unbelievers see these miracles and signs and wonders, then the unbelievers will be cut to the heart and they'll become Christians too. And that motivation is a noble motivation, but is it true? Well, according to Jesus... Not so much. You see, to become a disciple of Jesus is a step of faith. It's hearing the word of God and doing it. Hearing the word of God and keeping it. It's to hear God's call to repentance and in faith to turn our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. To repent of sin and follow him and keep him. So... When the crowd started flocking to Jesus, did Jesus go, Woohoo! Look how look how effective these signs and wonders are at drawing the crowds. That's the key, lads. Keep it up. We'll just keep doing that. Is that what Jesus said? No. Far from it. Jesus said, This generation is an evil generation. And sure, we know that, but surely the signs and wonders will turn them around, won't it? No. It's an evil generation that chases signs and wonders. And Jesus said, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Let me tell you about Jonah. Most of you will know the story of Jonah. Put your hand up if you know the story of Jonah. That's most of us, most of us. The reluctant prophet. That's a nice way of saying it. So God said to Jonah, look, Nineveh are very wicked and you are going to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent. Now, the thing is, Nineveh were the enemy. And they were a pagan country. That means they worshipped all these other gods. They didn't worship the one true God. And they were enemies of God's people. And we actually learned towards the end of the book of Jonah that Jonah didn't want Nineveh to repent. Why? Because he knew that if they did repent, then God is merciful and so God would save them. And if they didn't repent, then they would be destroyed. And he didn't want them to be saved because they are the enemy. Anyway, so Jonah is fleeing the call of God. He jumps on a ship, which is bound in the opposite direction, 
And while they're out there on the sea, God sends up this mighty storm and the sailors go, well, this isn't normal. That somebody, Someone here must have offended their God. Come on, own up. And Jonah says, well, actually, it was me. I'm running from the God who actually controls everything. Um, and they were terrified. They said, well, why would you do that? Well, how are we going to fix this now? And Jonah says, well, throw me overboard. And they didn't want to do that, but they did it anyway. And then instantly everything was calm and a big fish comes up, oop, swallows Jonah. So he gets swallowed by a big fish and three days later he gets vomited up onto the beach near Nineveh. Nineveh is an enormous city. And it was going to take Jonah three days of preaching as he walked through that city to cover, to cover it, right, and to get through to the other side. And the message that he was given to preach was, if you do not repent, God is going to overthrow this city in 40 days' time. Right? So it was going to take him three days to get across the city. But on day one, day one, the message began to spread like wildfire. And it came, it spread across the city, came to the hearing of the king, and the king and the whole city repented after one, well, during the first day of the preaching. Don't you love it? When, when the word of God is proclaimed and it does what it was sent for. As Jesus said, blessed rather those who hear the word of God and keep it. And that's what happened. They heard the word of God and they kept it. They responded to it. Great story. True story. God did an amazing work through Jonah. But not only is it a testimony of the mercy of God shown to the wicked when they repent, it was something much deeper than that. It was also a lesson for Israel. But it's sort of a bit like a political cartoon of today um, that you get in the newspapers. Unless you know what's going on, you're not really going to get it. So, for instance, this week the Australian newspaper had this cartoon. Does anyone find that funny? I, I found it hilarious because I've sort of there's been a whole series of cartoons as, as our prime ministers kept falling from his commitments and they kept trimming things off of his shirt. He started out with a midnight oil shirt and 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 the cart. Anyway, basically, some of you will get that and think it's hilarious. Some of you go, oh, I think I know why it's supposed to be funny, but I'm not sure. And some of you are going to go, I just don't get it. Now, I will fully explain it to you later after church if you want to know, but I'm not going to go into that now. I just want to show you how this story of Jonah is similar to a political cartoon. Because um, I know that 50 years from now, if somebody was to find that cartoon, they'd go, huh? What's funny about that? They just wouldn't get it. And this is what the story of Jonah is. Not only is it a real-life event, it's actually God having a go at Israel. It's God poking fun at Israel, but in an accusatory way. It's satire on a God-sized scale. God can alter world history events to make a point. And that's what God did through Jonah. See, but if we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, we're not going to get it. So what was going on behind the scenes? Israel, God's chosen people, had been bad. 
very naughty. Um, they'd turned to the worship of idols and they'd stopped listening to the voice of God and, and they were doing evil. And God, for hundreds of years, sent prophet after prophet after prophet with a message to repent. Otherwise, God is going to punish you. God's going to send these other nation to overthrow you. And they ignored them. And so God would send another prophet with exactly the same message. Repent from your evil, otherwise you're going to be overthrown. And they would ignore them. And this went on for hundreds of years, over and over and over again. And God's people would not listen. And then Jonah, a reluctant prophet, begins a three-day preaching mission in evil, godless Nineveh. Repent, otherwise you're going to be overthrown. And on day one, the whole city, including the king, repented in sackcloth and ashes. That means to, be, to repent in sackcloth and ashes, it's a, it's a picture of demonstrating your deep sorrow, your deep repentance. Uh, to do that, they would change out of their normal everyday clothes or in the case of the king, out of his fine robes and put on scratchy old sackcloth. Not with your fancy undies underneath, just scratchy sackcloth that scratched your body and sit in ashes in the ash heap and, and just be covered in filth. It's a letting go of all pride and recognising I'm at fault and it's a humbling of oneself before God and before people confessing I'm at fault here. And God forgave them. So do you get this? Hundreds of years of preaching to God's people and no repentance. And then along comes Jonah. One day of preaching to godless Nineveh and the whole city repented. It was a sign for Israel. So Jesus said, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. What's the sign of Jonah? Well, it's actually twofold. Firstly, it was the sign that I just described, the sign for, for Israel, the sign for God's people. Hear the word of God and do it. God had been warning for years, repent, but they didn't listen to him. But if they did, they would have been saved and God in his great mercy would have relented. But because Israel did not listen to God, eventually the judgment of God was poured out upon them. And so the first way that Israel, so it's the first way that Jonah is a sign is God has already spoken. Take notice of what God has said. God has sent his only son, Jesus Christ. Listen to him. Turn to him. And so we don't need another sign. God has already spoken. Listen to God. Pay attention and do what he says. But you might say to me, hang on a minute, Michael. The people of Nineveh were given a sign. I mean, a dirty great big fish vomits a bloke up on the beach and this bloke in his half-digested clothes wanders through the city bringing a message. That doesn't happen every day. I haven't seen it. Has anyone? I've just been to the beach. I don't think I noticed anyone like that. Although if they saw me coming out of the water, they might have thought it happened to me. I don't know. But... You might think, well, that was a sign. But how many people do you think actually saw that with their own eyes? Maybe a few. 
but certainly not the whole city. We were told it was going to take three days for him to get across the whole city. Jesus said, For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Speaking of himself. Right? It wasn't only the message, it was something about the prophet himself. Jonah became the sign. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus joins the dots up for us of what it means for Jesus to become a sign. Just as Jonah was in the belly of a big fish for three days and three nights, so will Jesus be in the ground for three days and three nights. Right? The sign that God has given for you and I is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's the sign right there. If Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, has risen from the dead, what further sign do we need? It all hinges on the resurrection. God has given us the sign. And like Steve Martin, most people are actually completely oblivious to it. Why? Because what God is saying is not what they want to hear. And some folk might get their knickers all in a knot if the preacher dares to ever talk about judgment. But if I don't talk about judgment today, then I've failed in sharing the word of God. I've failed in sharing what Jesus was saying. And basically what Jesus is saying is on the day of judgment, there is no excuse. And he gives an image here of a courtroom and he names two lots of witnesses who, who will get up and agree with the judge that there's no mitigating circumstances here. There is no excuse. And the first witness, he, he says, is the Queen of the South. Um, she's also known as the Queen of Sheba. So that's the southern part of, the Ara of Arabia, um, known today as modern-day Yemen. The Queen of Sheba, uh, at the time she was most certainly a heathen, because um, in that part of the world, they worshipped all sorts of other gods. They didn't worship the one true God. And yet the Queen of Sheba heard about the wisdom of Solomon. And she travelled a very long way to come and hear him in person. And she was really impressed with the wisdom that God had given Solomon. And, and she praised God, the one true God, Yahweh, because she said, and in her praise, she, she recognised that Yahweh God loves Israel with an eternal love. And that's why he blessed Israel with a king of justice and righteousness. And Jesus said, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. But look, can you not see that something greater than Solomon is here? And you're missing it. And greater is a key word here. And, and some folk will look to the scriptures today and some will even recognise wisdom in the scriptures and, and some may look to the teachings of Jesus for good moral guidance, but they're missing what's truly important. The scriptures are revealing the greatness of Jesus and the message of Jesus, the message to, to repent and bow before him as our Lord because he is great. The Bible is not a, a, merely a collection of, of life helps. The scriptures reveal the greatness of Jesus. And the word of God is something which is not to be assessed and we pick and choose which bits we like. 
The scriptures reveal the greatness of Jesus and because of the greatness of Jesus, it also reveals the word of God to be obeyed because God is great. And the second of the witnesses who, who will rise up on the day of judgment are the men of Nineveh. They will rise up at the day of judgment and condemn this generation. Why? Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And Jesus is far greater than Jonah. Jonah just squelched around in the belly of a fish for three days and then got spewed up on a beach. But our Lord Jesus Christ... He broke the power of sin and death and he was raised from the grave. Jonah was merely a reluctant prophet. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And in the kid's story there, Lauren used the word boss. And I think that probably helps kids and probably adults better to understand what it means for Jesus to be Lord. Because often people will go, well, oh yes, Jesus, you're Lord, but I'll do what I like. No, that's what it means for Jesus to be Lord. He is great. He is boss. He is... Lordship is something I think we struggle to understand. The power and the, and the submission that we have to him because he is Lord. So what's Jesus getting at? Repentance. Recognise who Jesus is. Know the greatness of Jesus. Listen to him. And blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. See, it's quite common for a person to say, um, I'll believe in God just as soon as he gives me a sign. Have you ever heard somebody say that? People say that to me sometimes. I'm special. I deserve a sign. They don't say that, but that's basically what's coming through. You know, if God just spoke to me from a cloud, that'd make all the difference, you know. Or if God helped me to win lot, lotto, you know, that, then I'd believe in God. Or maybe if he turns the sky purple with bright yellow polka dots, that'd help me to believe in God. And choose your own sign. But the thing is, God has already given the sign. The sign was the coming of his son and the greatness of Jesus. It's something that was prophesied. And prophecy after prophecy after prophecy were all fulfilled. Prophecies were fulfilled at the birth of Jesus. Prophecies were fulfilled throughout the life of Jesus. Prophecies were fulfilled throughout the ministry of Jesus and the arrest of Jesus. Prophecies were fulfilled at his trial and at his torture and at his crucifixion. Multitudes of prophecies were all fulfilled in Jesus. Is that not yet enough of a sign? Well, Jesus was murdered. That was prophesied too. And he was dead. And on the third day, he came back to life. And there were many eyewitnesses to this. At one time, he appeared to more than 500 of his disciples all at once. Now, we've all heard stories of, of a person who's flatlined. Right, there's been an accident or, or maybe on the operating table, they've, they've flatlined but, and, and maybe for 10 or 15 minutes they've been flatlined but they've managed to bring them back. Now, we've all heard stories like that, haven't we? This isn't any 10 or 15 minute flatline. 
This is dead and buried. This is speared in the side. And not only blood, but also water or clear fluids poured out. If there's one thing a Roman soldier knew, knew it was his business. And they were trained to do one thing, to kill. They knew how to kill people. And they had absolutely no doubt that he was dead. When they speared him in, their, in his side, it was because they reckoned he was already dead. We're not going to break his bones, but reckon he's already dead. And when you thrust your spear up into a man on the cross, it goes up in the side and up into the chest cavity. There's no way that someone speared by a Roman soldier after they were already thought dead could still be alive. And yet on the third day he rose. The sign of Jonah, that is. Jonah in the belly for three days, Jesus in the ground for three days. So the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. An evil generation seeks for a sign. What are you seeking? What are you waiting for? Those who truly seek God have already been given the sign. So what do we do with that? Well, have you been seeking some kind of a sign so you don't have to act in faith. Well, you'll never be saved if you are because we're saved by faith. Don't go looking for a sign so you don't have to engage faith. Repent and put your faith in Jesus. And this involves a whole change of life. Jesus will become your number one priority. But what about for those of us who already are saved. And looking around the room, I suspect most of you are. Most of you already do have a strong faith in Jesus. What do we learn from this? Well, it's actually a hard lesson, but it's also a very freeing word. Sometimes we Christians beat ourselves up with the if onlys. If only I was more spiritual. If only I was a better preacher. If only I was more gifted, if only I had a gift so that I could do some of these signs and wonders, then people would believe, if only. No, they wouldn't. Don't beat yourself up like that. It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about the one who is great. Our job isn't to perform more signs and wonders and do amazing things to make people believe. That's not our job. Our job is to point others to the one who is great, to the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Our job is to proclaim the greatness of God and the greatness of his Son. We mightn't know much, but we do know that God is great, don't we? We know that? Yeah. And next week, we're going to be talking about taking our lamp and putting it up on a lampstand and not hiding it. And that's what the lamp is, our faith. We know the greatness of God. We know the greatness of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. We know that too.
And that's what we let shine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the gift of faith. We thank you that it's not a faith that has to be taken without a sign. You've already given us a sign. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ who not only died on the cross for us to take away our sins, but in the power and might of the Lord God Almighty, he rose again. What a sign that is, Lord. A sign of the power of Jesus, a sign of the authority, the, the sign of his ability to, to heal and the sign of his ability to give life to those who have faith in him. What a joy that is. And Lord, we just ask that, that we would not just ever slip into the category of the evil generation always seeking a sign. But Lord, help us to, to I guess, delight in the sign that you've already given and to be able to proclaim the might of God and the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ as we invite others to know to know you in this way as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.